Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website and Exposure Ninja is a company that does that for our clients. Now in this episode I'm delighted to be joined by Seth Kravitz from Flern. Now Flern, spelt P-H-L-E-A-R-N, is a online course platform for people who want to learn Photoshop and Lightroom, basically for photographers and creatives to learn about the software that they're using. Incredibly competitive space, but Seth has come onto the show to talk about how he and the Flern team have built Flern, specifically talking a bit about their approach on Facebook ads, including one ridiculous accidental test that they ran with no targeting at all. Just to give you a bit of context, so Flern is able to generate new members to their platform less than $10 per member using Facebook, which if you've run any Facebook ads before, then getting a CPA of less than $10 is pretty impressive stuff, particularly for a subscription payment. So some really good stuff here and really interesting. Seth's a fascinating guy. Now, if you want some help growing your business through your website, then don't forget to request your Exposure Ninja free website and digital marketing review. This will be the best thing that you do for your business probably this month. What will happen is you'll go to ExposureNinja.com and click the big old button and that will take you to a form which asks you some questions about your business. You'll then receive a 15 minute video recorded by one of the team at Exposure Ninja here which goes behind the scenes of your website, takes a look at all your digital marketing and maps you out a prioritized action plan that you can follow to get more leads and sales through your site over the next 6 to 12 months. It's awesome. So go to ExposureNinja.com to request that. But without further ado, enjoy the show with Seth Kravitz from Flern. Seth, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So as you know, in this podcast, we go behind the scenes of a particular marketing channel that you've been running to find out how well it worked, what you learned, any mistakes that you've made. Ready to lift the curtain? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So first up, what is Flurn and how do you guys make money? Uh, Flurn is pretty straightforward. Flurn is basically the number one platform for learning Photoshop online. And we also teach photography and other software suites like Adobe Lightroom and things like that that are in the kind of photo editing arena. And it's all video-based education that's online, self-guided, self-paced. So you kind of take it at your own leisure. You can start and stop when you want to start and stop. There's no... Um, guess classes in essence where you're part of like a group of 20 or anything like that there's nothing it's in person so it's all um pre-recorded and posted and just sort of lives there for a long time but in the software world um things are not evergreen so we'd have to redo a lot of our catalog every couple of years and that's basically the nature of the business we're basically a pure content business where we're producing um constant new content to keep our subscriber base happy and uh, Florin's been around for eight years. I was not the founder and the CEO for the last three years, roughly. And the founder is a guy named Aaron Nace. He started about eight years ago um, out of his apartment in North Carolina. And now we own a pretty large studio here in Chicago. And um, we're a very real business versus back then. There's just kind of one guy in front of a camera. So that's kind of like uh, it's one of those classic YouTube creator stories where a guy gets in front of a camera and somehow over the course of eight years turns it into a real company that you know, can support a whole staff and, and uh, basically uh, has a life of its own. Uh, so that's that's kind of the story of, of, of Flern as quickly as I can sum it up. 
And people can buy courses one-off, can't they? Or they can get a membership which entitles them to access to all of the courses. Is that right? Yeah, this this year is the first year we actually switched over to purely uh, subscription. So um, it's more of a recent development. Every all, all the time leading up to this moment, it, it was always you could buy a la carte if you wanted to, and a lot of our customers did. Or you could subscribe, and uh, we'd made the decision to finally just pull the plug on a la carte. And now, um, if you want to experience anything we do on Florida, including including all of our downloadable files that we used to sell, like uh, Photoshop Action or Lightroom Preset, these are little design files that would help you do things quicker. Even all of those now are behind our subscriptions, so you have to subscribe to get access to them. So uh, everything going forward from here on with Florida will always be uh, purely behind a paywall uh, for one monthly subscription. Love it. And is it $10 a month? Is that right? Yeah, ten dollars a month or hundred dollars a year, and uh, there's, always, there's always some sort of discounting or sale running. We do also large corporate discounts and institutional institutional education discounts. So uh, we sign up large universities and for their entire art department, and uh, so we, we have a lot of different ways of selling it. But if you're just a photographer who wants to sign up, uh, it starts at ten bucks a month, and um, I would say it's be incredibly difficult to find a better value than that in our space. We are by far the lowest priced in our entire space. And we're really going for more of that kind of Netflix model of huge, substantial uh, subscriber base, as opposed to having a very small base of very high paying uh, customers. So we're, we're pretty much kind of an anomaly in the world of teaching photography and Photoshop online. Do you share your subscriber numbers? We don't, but it's, it's many, many thousands. Uh, um, I would hope one day it'll be many hundreds of thousands, but for now, it's just many thousand. And uh, uh, it's growing at a pretty, it's still growing at a pretty consistent rate, even though we, we launched subscription three years ago, and you had this initial huge spike, and then it kind of like tails off, and then you have to like just start to chase new audiences and try to like find new channel partners and new affiliate revenue partners where you can hopefully get exposure to an audience that you didn't have before. And we're definitely in that phase now where we are constantly trying to find new audiences because we feel like we've definitely reached our existing audience mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of that future growth is going to come from um, experimental marketing channel partners really interesting ways of working with affiliate partners to give them more of our actual content that they can potentially put it behind their paywalls and use that as a way to onboard people so um, yeah Florin, it, it's been a really it's really a really exciting interesting challenge to create a subscription uh, company from an a la carte business that was purely individual sales and switch it over to purely subscription and, and trying to get people into that platform and get them to accept that this is a better way of experience us than just like owning one class. Uh, so uh, that that challenge, you know, leads itself to like, I guess, not all of our previous customers converted basically. So we have, mm. we have way more, we have way more total customers than we have subscribers. Um, even so we have uh pretty large customer base um, that we get to play with, which is, which is really fun for marketing purposes and survey, surveying them for things. Uh, we can always get hundreds or if not thousands of answers to any question we ask. So it's, it's, it's really a great uh, membership, like subscriber base to, to have access to. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't divulge the actual exact number publicly. So, I mean, Photoshop and Lightroom tutorials and that type of stuff, ridiculously competitive market, isn't it? There's so many sites out there and we get sent a whole bunch to review. And then of course you've got YouTube where everyone's putting up like, hey, check out my Photoshop tutorials and then selling what their presets or whatever. 
what do you think it is other than price that has made you stand out and be able to build such a big business in such a ridiculously competitive space? Yeah, anyone who has access to a webcam, pretty much, that's not even a good quality webcam, and a computer that has Photoshop or Lightroom installed on it can become an instructor of, of Photoshop. And, and YouTube is full of probably, you know, at last count, we've, we've tried to track how many competitors we have. It, it's in the thousands mm. of individual channels that have taught Photoshop or you know, have tried to release on a regular basis some sort of Photoshop tutorial. And maybe in a couple dozen that are, I guess, our main competitors that are actively releasing uh, pretty much constant content where they are matching us one for one on the number of total releases and all that. So the, the competitive landscape just on YouTube alone was, is pretty tough. And then if you just go outside of that professional education, you have basically anybody in any local environment who's like, I can teach, just tries to spin up a workshop or spin up some sort of class. And like that ends up being in pretty intense on the local level of like in-person workshops. Then you have universities that teach it as part of our, our programs. You have a tremendous amount of books that have been written about learning Photoshop. And then you have a lot of direct competitors to us, let's say like a Linda or a Creative Live, mm. where they have instructors uh, doing paid education uh, in a video form. So, and Udemy has probably got you know 200 instructors teaching Photoshop. So basically, if you look at it, it's like okay, how do you how do you how do you dip into a market where um, you have thousands of people giving it away for free? You have a couple hundred at least paid resources to go to. Not even really counting all the individual instructors out there just sitting somewhere in some city offering classes. Uh, and the only answer to that question is you just, you have to be, you really have to be more entertaining than they do. You, you have to be a better instructor than they are in some way. Um, every instructor is a little different and what makes them unique. Um, Aaron is people usually describe him as like the Bob Ross of Photoshop. So he's like this friendly hug of education. And he, I, I describe his teaching style as like, let's hold hands and run through the fields of Photoshop together. Um, that, that's like, that's his style of teaching. And I think that's really resonated. I mean, we have 1.7 million YouTube subscribers. So obviously it's resonated, uh, that people enjoy that style of education. Uh, art education in general was always taught with a very much like top down. I am the expert. You are the student, you know, mm -hmm. I'm the master and you're the apprentice. And, uh, Aaron is just like, uh, let's just learn this together. It's really hard. Let's figure it out. And like that, that attitude and approach to, uh, teaching, I think really resonated with students who were just tired of being talked down to and uh, tired of classes that were taught in a very much like they assume you know what you're doing and they go through things too quickly. Aaron always takes these incredibly advanced concepts and breaks them down to really simple digestible chunks and he walks you through it. And uh, I feel like that, after eight years of doing that and honing it in and getting really, really good at it, um, it's kind of like our biggest defensible thing for Florin mm -hmm. is that nobody else has access to Aaron. Aaron is exclusively here, doesn't teach anywhere else on any other platform. And uh, that that has that is that has worked for now, but now we are trying to take that mold of Aaron and, and bring in other instructors that teach in that style that are very warm and kind on camera, that are um, very thoughtful in the way they teach, not making any assumptions and really trying to be helpful. Um, so we have brought in four instructors at this point this year, and we're going to bring in hopefully a lot more. They're going to teach. Uh, their style of art, whatever it is, happens to be, but they're going to teach it in a style that is very friendly and approachable. And uh, that's our growth plan, basically, for the next several years, is just keep bringing in more and more instructors and building up this great portfolio of really kind, friendly, uh, warm instructor base that uh, I think people will resonate with, and that'll be like our clear differentiator between us and everybody else. And uh, consistency is probably the only second, it's the second answer to that. I mean, it, 
Aaron has recorded and posted over 800 videos to YouTube. People always ask, like, well, how do you build 1.7 million subscribers? It's like, okay, sit down for eight years and record 800 videos. And don't stop for long periods of time. Keep going every single week posting more videos. And uh, that's the answer for a lot of the a lot of channels. We just look at it and wasn't necessarily the person was insanely uh, um, entertaining. There's tons of entertaining people on YouTube. It's just like super consistent, tremendous amount of volume, uh, stuck with it. Even when it stopped, even when the subscribers started to go down or dwindle or whatever, they stuck with it and they survived to reach that point where they're now like a YouTube influencer we all hear about. And mm -hmm. all of them started somewhere with a first video that had 16 views on it. And, you know, they just stuck with it. So like those are the, those are basically the reason why Aaron has made it to where he is. It's just a very kind instructor and never giving up after eight years. And, uh, I feel like that is difficult for other people to compete with because it's a lot to try to take mm -hmm. on. So we, we feel pretty comfortable in our positioning against uh, other brands. That's some great lessons there. Um, shifting to the marketing then for a second. So what are your top ways of, of getting members at the moment? Well, I mean, the first and to this day, it's still, still one of our top three, but first was always YouTube. I mean, everyone trying to drive people from our YouTube channel to our Florida.com paid classes uh has been a challenge from day one but it was something that you know with, with the links in the description the cards you can put in the videos and um you still add annotations but when you still do annotations plus also just mentioning it in the video like mm -hmm. between years of doing that we were able to drive enough people to florida.com that a lot of us subscribed bought products um became you know our loyal customers and then that has definitely been now passed by email marketing. Um, we collected enough emails at this point, hundreds of thousands of email addresses of people that are uh, Photoshop lovers, that now our email list is a pretty substantial uh, chunk of our revenue for new revenue. Um, and then because of the email and plus also just retargeting now, all of our paid marketing as far as uh, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Critio, any, any, any platform you can think of it just retargeting has become a pretty substantial source of revenue as well because uh, we we have hundreds of thousands of visitors a month for the site, uh, millions a year. Um, our customer base is, is pretty large, plus so our, our ability to create lookalike audiences and things like that is very mm -hmm. accurate. Um, we just have all this, we have all this material now to work with um, that we can create uh, pretty effective marketing campaigns across any platform uh, that now they're all kind of equally carrying some weight, which is really great to not depend on one single thing because there's too many companies out there that depend on Absolutely. you know one. They're just they, they they get really good at it, so they think they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna double down, I'm gonna triple down, and like that's great and all, but like okay, one one change to the way Facebook does their ad policy, one change to the way Google's algorithm works, uh, things that you were doing, now your rankings plummet on Google. And now you're making, you know, one tenth of what you're making before. Now Facebook changes the policy that prevents you from doing the type of ad you were doing before, which has happened multiple times now to people. Um, maybe you're relying on, uh, if you were one of these media brands that was relying way too much on organic reach, and uh, especially like Facebook organic reach to like pretty much provide all of your visitors, and then one change their algorithm, making pages, you know, no longer show up in the feed, basically. Uh, killed, like, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, they're killed so many different, of those uh, viral mm. uh, media companies, I've lost track of how many it killed, but it basically killed like dozens of them mm. overnight because they were all 100% reliant on, you know, these clickbait titles and things like that. So I'm very happy we've gotten to the point now where I can say, 
if we lost our YouTube audience somehow, which I don't know how that would happen, uh, we would survive just fine. If we lost our email, we would survive just fine. If we lost our ability to retarget, we'd be just fine. So um, we've been we've gotten to the point where we're really spread out across a lot, which also leaves a ton of opportunity to optimize any one of those as well to like kind of bring it back up to like if it's not performing as well as it, it used to. What what can we change? What are we doing wrong? And we can tweak a few levers and and push that one back up again. And it's it's a it's been a lot of effort to get to that point. It's not like that just happened magically. So um, it's been a tremendous amount of effort and uh, focus on getting this really great mix of channels. I think that's the that's the kind of holy grail, isn't it? You've got the email piece which you own. Then you've got some organic channel, which means you don't have to pay for every visitor in the YouTube piece. And then you've got a paid option as well with Facebook, like having each of those three. I think that is that is an absolute sweet spot. The chances of massive disruption coming to any two of those at the same time are are so slim. It does allow you to sleep better at night, I guess. Yeah. Plus, we also we also have affiliate marketing. Uh, which is another source of revenue, and then we also have a pretty robust referral program. Like we, mm. really do, we really do get a lot of word of mouth. Uh, like it's one of the most common reasons that when someone says, "Why'd you sign up?" It's someone told me about it. Um, so uh, we're pretty we're pretty protected. I feel like at this point uh, against uh, some platform just basically ruining our day. Um, which is, yeah. Let's talk about the Facebook ad approach. And I know you've got a really kind of interesting combination of Facebook ads and and content marketing, which works really well for you and generates customers at profit, I gather, um, which is uh, obviously fantastic. So maybe you can kind of give us a bit of a big picture on on how this is working for you. Yeah, we... we, uh... We do probably just about every type of ad you could imagine on Facebook at any given time. Right now, uh, I've scaled back a little bit because I'm preparing a lot of campaigns for the holidays. But uh, right now, we're really only doing some relatively basic retargeting. But since since we are, we're very lucky to be a content company because it gives us a tremendous amount of material to work with when you're talking about ads. So we have a huge image catalog that's ours. We have a huge catalog of videos that are ours. Uh, we are all pretty decent writers, so writing is not an issue as far as like coming up with a decent amount of copy on the fly that we need for a new ad. Uh, and also, um, we've been able to spend enough to create, uh, we have a really good relationship with our Facebook ad manager, a few of the things, we, we just have a lot of access to resources that at this point um, allow us to have, a, allow us to try new ads, so we'll try vertical Instagram story ads, because um, we can create vertical video in-house and have it on brand, like exactly in the style we want it. Because it's the video editor that does, you know, we, we have three different people that edit video here. Um, everything we put out can have that same consistency. So we know we can just try a new platform and try, you know, IGTV or whatever it happens to be. And it's going to look exactly on brand learn. We're going to get it out in exactly the length that's matched for that platform, whatever it happens to be. Uh, whether they need 60 seconds, we're allowed to go longer than that. Um, and because of that, it's just allowed us to be really creative with what we try on, on Facebook. We're able to try, anytime they release a new ad experience, we're able to immediately kind of jump onto it. So it's canvases or whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, we can create that pretty rapidly because A, we have one of the best Photoshop artists in, in the world who's here. And it can just kind of like, you know, we'll be like, uh, hey, Aaron, can you do this? It's like, very handy to have that. Um, also, uh, I'd say because we, we've, we did a lot of we did a lot of really hard work to figure out who our actual demographics are. Like this is our customer, this is what they look like, and we divided them up into like a few different uh, cohorts. But 
for the most part, that really helps. So um, we can experiment with a lot of new ad types, but I know uh, exactly who I want to target with it and not to target, more importantly, who not to target with it, who to like exclude. And uh, I, I don't know, I mean, there's, we, we pretty much do whatever you can think of. So we, we've done lead ads where we have uh, long form PDF content behind a landing page. Um, so we've done lead ads. They've been pretty successful. Uh, it's, it's one of a total hit or miss. We've had lead ad campaigns that have been a total waste of money, which is hemorrhage cash, and there was no point to it. And we've had lead ad campaigns that have been able to at least break even for us. It's pretty tough so far for us to have a lead campaign that really generated an outsized amount of profit where it was like, that was great. Versus, um, I would say a lot of a lot of our video-powered ads, any, any of our ads that contain video, have consistently outperformed any of our image-based ads or carousel ads or um, any, any of the kind of experience, like the canvases and the instant, um, all, uh, pretty much any of, the, any of the gimmicky kind of ones, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll try that, I'll try that. It really never seemed to consistently work, no matter what the con- whatever the content is, whether it's a brand new product, whether it's just selling the idea of description in general, uh, whether it's selling like an entire line of classes, let's say like become a retoucher, like in selling a client of classes, whatever it is, if it's video, it seems to always outperform any other ad type we run. Um, partially because we're selling video. So like they can see what Aaron is like in the video ad itself and be like, oh, I want to learn from him. He looks mm-hmm. like he's interesting. I like I like his personality, I like his voice, I like the way he looks, whatever it is they're judging him by in that exact moment where they got 10 seconds to watch you know, an ad. Uh, they like what they see and they click over and they convert it a much better, much better than our videos, uh, I'm sorry, better than our images or any other platform. Um, there's different platforms out there that offer different ways of you can have like a mixture of like images and video and kind of have um, almost like a mini website that then they can click out of. Um, uh, none of that has really ever worked. It's just having like a single video. And because of that, we've tried a ton of different ways of displaying video. Um, and then I like to just try all the different options on a campaign, even if it does, even if we do lose a little money here and there, I'm fine with it. So I will try optimization where I'm purely doing split testing based on um, location. I'll do one where I'm purely basing it off of excluding different audiences or including different audiences, lookalike audiences, um, just custom audiences based on website traffic. I'll then start doing different ones where I'm using the demographic tools and I'll do split tests based on purely nothing but just demographics. I will, and then probably the one I've spent a tremendous amount of time in is just split testing all the different um, bidding types. So mm. on Facebook, Instagram, I tried value conversion, you know, value versus conversion versus daily unique reach versus links, like actual link clicks, landing page views. We're targeting, you know, the same audience, you know, with a pretty substantial ad spend because you're spending like $20. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's really hard to know whether or not your ad is going to be effective or whether or not what you're doing is repeatable. Or if you, if you're going to like put a budget of an ad of like 10 bucks or 20 bucks, it's just really hard to get enough data. Um, unless the audience you're going after is incredibly cheap. Like certain audiences, like we're almost always targeting US, UK, Canada for all of our ads, which are not cheap audiences. Hmm. Um, so if you're targeting audiences that are dramatically less expensive, sure, maybe you can get away with just 10 bucks. Um, but we've always found we had to spend a little more than that to get enough data to actually have usable information that we can be like make a decision off of. So in those split tests, you know, we might run a couple thousand dollars through a split test where each individual ad unit is getting, you know, 500 bucks or 250 at least, something like that. And based on that, um, have have discovered 
pretty much two scenarios after all these years of doing that. Two scenarios basically where it comes down to we can do value-based advertising where we can drive our revenue through the roof at a pretty high cost. So even on value campaigns, though, we're typically able to break even, uh, if not generate a profit, which from I, I belong to a couple of like private um, e-commerce forums, which are for stores that do, you know, let's say seven figures or higher kind of revenue. And uh, when I run that past them, it's pretty rare that I talk to anybody else who can do value-based campaigns where they actually generate a profit. So we're able to pretty much, I've done it twice this year already, where I've done an unlimited um, no return on ad spend. Uh, I didn't fill out that field. Zero targeting as far as uh, anything other than location. And just basically putting a budget in like the fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollar range, and just letting um, Facebook decide who it wants to target. And done that a couple of times, and both those campaigns were actually profitable. And those were like go against everything that I've ever learned or been taught about how to do marketing on Facebook. You never just let Facebook decide uh, who it should. You should you should define audiences much more uh, granularly. And so that's been fascinating to me and kind of blew my mind. And then there's the other approach is just our very targeted approach where it's. I do a conversion-based one where I set an exact price per conversion, a target price, and then uh, I'm doing really specific audiences, and I'm breaking the ad into tons of different sub-ads that are um, that I'm turning off actively if they're not performing, getting rid of them. And so those are my two approaches now that I balance, you know, over the course of a year. Um, so anytime we want to, like, I don't think re- I think revenue is going the wrong direction. I want it to pick up. We can literally run one of these value-based campaigns. Get a massive influx of new customers. Um, usually a break even or a profit and then it becomes very difficult to run ads typically after that for a little while so we have to take a pause because we feel like we've saturated because the reach on those sometimes can be anywhere from 750,000 to 2 million people reached on that ad and we have a very specific demographic of people that actually want to learn Photoshop so that pretty much saturated everybody and then we have to like take a pause for a month so people forget what's learned and they forget what our ads look like and run a whole new set of ads uh, after that break to try to re-reach them again and uh yeah. I feel like I just I just feel like I just summed up our entire strategy for the year so far. Yeah, that's what we're currently doing. Your point. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. Um, when you say when you say make a profit or break even, are we yeah. talking about like a lifetime customer value, or what's yeah. the what's the time frame you're talking about breaking even on the membership? Uh, same, same day. So if if I if we set up a campaign where we spend twenty five thousand dollars over the course of a month. Um, that came, campaign will generate immediately in the course of that month, even though we're selling a subscription product where obviously people are going to stick around for a while. Um, it will generate more than $25,000. Um, so you're getting, a, you're getting a sale for less than $10 to a subscription? Yes. With no targeting other than, hey, Facebook, have loads of yeah. money. In yeah, this that, that was... That was I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm claiming that I'm doing this, and I did this intentionally. I discovered that by accident in January. Uh, I turned on, I was doing some value-based campaigns, and one of them, I forgot, I duplicated it. I deleted all the things that I didn't want out of it, basically set it back basically to empty, and uh, I forgot to add everything back in because I got distracted. It was just one of multiple campaigns that I published. I just clicked publish. Do you want to publish your you know seven campaigns? I was like, sure, and I published it. And it goes live, and it outperforms all the rest of the value-based campaigns I was competing against. Like, just blows them out of the water. I'm like, what the hell? So, like, I, I go into that campaign, and I'm like, everything in here is blank. Hmm. Everything. Like, I didn't set up 
on that one, I didn't set up. There was no geography. There was there were no like where do you? There was no country targeting. So it was worldwide. Uh, with I'm trying to think of anything. I excluded our existing customers. That's it. So the only thing in there was it excluded existing customers, uh, which we always have in place uh, for the most part. And uh, that was it. And like I'm like that 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 blew my mind. So basically, there was no return on ad spend sent. There was no geographic targeting. There was no audience targeting. There were no restrictions on like person has to like the page or not. Wasn't I had yeah you know, I had the extend your audience turned on checkbox as well. So it was reaching people even broader than. It was already had no targeting, so basically broader than no targeting, which you know sounds like that couldn't even exist. And uh, that kind of blew my mind as far as like how accurate Facebook can be with knowing mm. who who in their who in their user base wants to buy your product. It almost was like creepy to me that they could be so crazy accurate with like they knew somehow the people that were willing to spend money on our tutorials found them and targeted them with that campaign, and they converted at such a high amount that. I just found the whole experience very bizarre, and uh, basically, since then, uh, I've tried to replicate that a couple more times this year, and uh, a little more targeted this time, specifically with certain countries, and we're still able to break even. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was shocking. <laughs> and and we're we're talking like reasonable spend here. So twenty five k, did you say for that? So yeah, that was in, that was in January on that one value based campaign. We right. dropped about twenty five. So I guess Facebook has enough budget there to play with to start testing and, and measuring conversions. So wouldn't necessarily yeah. tell everyone to go and just, you know, dump 25K into Facebook with no targeting, no. but that's extremely no, that, that, surprising. That is probably, probably my two, I guess it's two reasons. One, they have years and years of accurate conversion data for yeah. us. Sitting there, we've had the Facebook pixel installed for, I don't know, five years. So it's got tremendous amount of conversion data sitting in there. It, it pretty much knows. These are the people on, on our platform that convert. And uh, it also knows historically the cost of conversion for us. So it like knows these are the people that convert. This is how much it costs to convert them. This person just gave us basically a blank check for 25 grand to just do whatever we want with. Like, why don't we spend it? Why don't we drive the people that match that exact demographic? And it's just, it, I was amazed that it actually worked accidentally. It was, again, not my intention. And uh, it was just, again, it kind of blew my mind that. Um, that they were so accurate with predicting. And so the reach, though, was tremendous. The reach was almost 2 million on that one campaign. So mm. um, my guess is they just kind of peppered everyone they thought might have some interest in it. And they hit every single one of them. And uh, enough of them converted that it made it a profitable campaign with no targeting, which has never happened in my entire career uh, as a marketer. So uh, that, one, that, one was, that one was really bizarre to me. So... That's fantastic. So what is the, talk us through the funnel that you're using for, for these ads. Is it ads straight to sign up or are we driving people to a piece of content? Uh, most of our ads are driving people directly to our homepage, which we specifically designed to be a landing page, basically. Uh, I used to be of the idea that um, I want to build out really, really, really specific targeted landing pages, and we still do. We absolutely, we absolutely do. For, uh, if I'm trying to teach somebody like, hey, would you like to become a retoucher? I'm going to drive them to a page that's uh, about that. But if, if it's just here is a course we released, a lot of times, sure, I'll test out an ad where we're driving directly to the course. But I found just taking that same person and driving to the homepage where mm. they get 
hit hit with this page that is specifically designed to be a landing page of like all the reasons you should sign up. Uh, that tends to be the overwhelming value proposition that converts them better um, than just showing them that one class because they hit that page for that one class and like, oh, you know, I do like that class, but the chances of them navigating away to another page and trying to get like the full idea of what everything we offer um, just does not seem to convert nearly as well as just show them the full offering and hook them there. So our, our homepage um, has typically been a really great converter for if I need a generic place to drive anyone across any campaign. Um, it's usually, uh, it's, pr it's pretty effective to this day. You know, I feel like we're going to keep making it better. We keep, we keep making the page like lighter weight so it loads faster. Um, making it more mobile friendly, so no matter what platform they're on, like we're, we're always tweaking it to try to increase the conversion rate a little more. But for now, um, I just found the homepage to be consistently the most effective that it takes one more thing out of the things I have to do. So mm -hmm. I can focus more time on the ads themselves. So I can focus more time on the targeting and like focus more time on writing copy and creating beautiful imagery. And I can spend less time having to worry about creating a whole bunch of new landing pages and not those. Um, that's, that's probably, that's not going to work for everybody for sure. I mean, there's no way that that would work for certain like tangible products. I can't imagine, especially non-subscription products and also anything, let's say, you know, where you're trying to sell a widget. I can't mm -hmm. imagine that technique would ever be effective, but I think for a subscription-based product, where you're trying to sell the concept of subscription to somebody, where it's like all this overwhelming value just behind one single login, just for one price, um, I could see why for us it's more effective to uh, give them that, you know, give them that instead of just the individual class. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's it comes down to that simple proposition, isn't it? If there's one prop, we do a yep. lot of work with service companies, and we'll always expect their homepage to actually be one of the highest converting pages on the site once we finish with it when they you know when people build their homepage they build it as this glorified kind of about us and all of this stuff whereas yeah. actually it should be a ruthlessly effective salesperson do you know what your conversion yeah. rate is on your homepage out of interest uh it's a little tough well okay I mean, obviously you can measure it directly off of like say facebook or or instagram but uh obviously since it's also our number one page for SEO um, out, out of the site. Uh, I, probably almost 60% of our SEO traffic, which is hundreds of thousands of, peop of people a month. Um, it's the majority of our traffic is, is Google SEO. It, it, it's all dumping there, but, um, and also a ton of direct type-ins directly from our customers. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a big mixture. So the overall conversion rate is under that's under one percent but when it comes to like uh uh facebook and ads it's it's i said it, it can vary uh do i just give you an overall number yeah if you, if you had to guess if you had to guess for a typical facebook ad campaign uh around three percent three to sometimes as high as like seven is the highest i think i've ever seen um but those are really targeted ads hmm you know, no, no, no huge traffic ad that's driving, let's say, 5,000 visitors to the site or 20,000 visitors over the course of 30 days. Whatever it happens to be is going to generate a 7% conversion rate. That's, that's absurd. Um, but we can, we can definitely get two, three, or four on uh, some mm. of those campaigns. So solid for a subscription. Um, that's a low, it's a very low-cost subscription. Yeah, but yeah. think about it. it it's 10 bucks. You know, it's, it's super cheap compared to other education products that are hundreds of dollars like per quarter. Hmm. or thousands of dollars a year um 10 bucks makes us ridiculously cheap that it's almost and we intentionally designed it to be this way an absolute no-brainer like why not just get a subscription um and try it out 
it seems like there's practically no risk. Hmm. You <clears> mentioned <throat> there your um, organic traffic and you have the, is it the magazine section of the site where it looks like you're producing a huge volume of content. So yeah, I, mean, I, I can I can see the strategy. What's the what's the kind of mindset behind it? How, and, and how um, how strict are you with with making each of those pieces pay for themselves? Or is this just a kind of let's put it all out there and we know that overall it's going to pay off for us? Uh, one 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 challenge with I me, mean, you, you can look at the content there and you can see the volume of it. There, there, there are hundreds of articles that have all been written by uh, pretty professional writers. We oh, don't, they're really good articles. Not, really, yeah, good. yeah. We're not, we're not jumping on Fiverr and being like, <laughs> here, fifteen bucks, give me six hundred words. Uh, every person on there was vetted. Every person on there kind of had to not go through like a writing test, but they had to prove they already had a portfolio of existing photography-related content, so that narrowed it down real fast. Uh, they all had to have a consistency. They had to be doing it for years, and uh, we paid them decently. Like you know, like. We didn't pay them like way too much. We didn't pay them not enough. We paid them decently. Like they're 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 very comfortable with the rates they get for producing content for us. And uh, we also have a full time staff editor in chief who does nothing but work on content related written content, basically uh, any video content that's coming from the internal team here in our studio. But anything that's uh, written touches the site, uh, including let's say eBooks or things like that. That's all coming out of our our editor in chief, and she has a whole team of contract writers underneath her that we've all vetted out. So we put a pretty substantial investment into our magazine. I think uh, way more so than a lot of our competitors would ever even consider doing because content marketing is like a long-term play. You you just, you can't expect to do it and expect to see big returns right away or even in three months, even in six months. Uh, We look at content marketing as like a year plus. So we publish something today. We're hoping to be able to make back the cost of producing that article and make some profit and have it be worth it usually within a year. Um, so we have very long timelines. We're very patient with our content and, uh, we produce a massive volume of it and that's in the magazine section. And then a lot of our SEO though comes from our, uh, tutorials, uh, tutorials are, uh, more than half of our SEO traffic. Uh, if I remember correctly, is just the tutorial pages. Right. Another, about 30 plus percent are, uh, you know, the magazine and then the rest of it is category pages and landing pages. And, okay. um, so, so it's, a uh, the tutorials stand on their own. Like it's, it's not like, uh, the magazine is our big source of SEO traffic. Got it. So I'm imagining there's probably a fair amount of pretty high commercial intent traffic there then if they're coming specifically for a tutorial, like what's your approach to converting that person who's just maybe browsing maybe on the informational side they're just browsing how do you get them in to 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 a full paying member uh well i mean every single tutorial on the page has our value proposition usually pretty clearly stated um like a little sign up box that is is embedded in the page itself um we sparingly use pop-ups i find them so ungodly annoying uh, when I go to everybody else's websites that I was like, I will not do that on my website. So uh, we use them sparingly. They are very targeted. So you probably won't see one unless you've exhibited a certain type of behavior that I feel like you're high likelihood of converting. Um, and then, so mostly we're relying on things that are embedded in the actual site itself. Trailers are one thing we use. So people click the view trailer buttons. So they can experience the class before um, 
having to pay anything. Uh, we've experimented with unlocking certain chapters so they can watch an entire chapter uh, of a class before uh, converting. And then that's been pretty effective. We do have typical things like newsletter sign up, uh, free downloads that when you require your email. Um, so we are trying to tease them sure here and there to, to exchange some piece of information. Um, but for the most part, it's really like that call to action button embedded mm-hmm. in this little area that, that says, you know, it talks about how you unlimited access to all the classes, you know, access from anywhere, um, all included in one price, plus all these free downloadable products that we've created over the years that are really great for them that our customers seem to love. And that's all included in this one monthly price uh, that you can cancel anytime. So, um, that is basically how we convert them, no matter where they come from. And that's always changing, though. I mean, if you if you were to watch the site design over the last three years when we switched the description back in 2017 through now, um, you'd notice um, pretty substantial changes in the design. So we, we keep learning a lot. We have changed the design heavily on the product pages in particular, uh, and we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable future because uh, we just keep learning, and uh, we're trying to make them... Um, I guess just trying to decrease that bounce rate, um, increase time spent on page, give them any reason to just give us some piece of information, mm. including, you know, whether it be a push notification, agreeing to that, to potentially giving us in the future text-based, you know, SMS-based um, permission. For now, email is, is big targeting one for us as far as like, I really would love to have your email address because there are things certainly you can do with that once you have it. Um, Trip campaigns and just I feel like I feel like a lot of our tool set is pretty standard tool set these days. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing anything that's like magical. You know, that, <laughs> well, you know, other, than, other than that accidental value campaign, that was the most magical thing I've seen in years. But, yeah, <laughs> but the I mean the main challenge that people have when they're producing a lot of content is that reduction of bounce rate. You know, it's all coming onto the site. They're getting the thing that they need, particularly if. You know, I'm sat with Photoshop in front of me. I need to figure out how to do yeah. one particular thing. Right, got it, great. Now I'm off. Like, so that's why I'm kind of interested to know whether you'd... Yeah. What, like, what part of the funnel do you find most successful to target people at that stage? Is it like a download or is it just... It sounds like it's just straight to, hey, if you want to learn more about these, if you want to check out these tutorials, yeah. then sign up here, which is awesome. For the most part, uh, as I said, you know, about Aaron's personality definitely comes across mm. in the website itself. It's very much, if you have found value in it, here's all the other things we offer, um, as opposed to making people jump through too many hoops to get access to something or then like, finally, you'll give me the thing that I came here for. We've always just taken the attitude of like, let the content, our content, you know, it's good. We know it's good. Mm. So let it speak for itself. They'll watch the free tutorial. They'll be like, this guy's great. I love, I love learning from him. Um, the messaging is there on the page for them to know that there's a lot more we offer. Um, and that's the way we've relied on trying to convert people rather than uh, trying. And we've tried all the other things. We've tried all the things of like, you have with hiding content on the page and you want to unlock it with your email, um, making something download only that you need to exchange an email, making a file or something really cool that he mentions in the video. You're able to watch the whole thing, but like this one cool thing that he mentions that just happens to be like behind a locked download. 
Uh, like we tried all those and sure you end up with a lot of email addresses, but they don't necessarily convert. Yeah. Right. They still have a pretty low conversion percentage on those emails you collect. And, uh, I feel like the customer experience is definitely something where they're like, I don't want to come back to the site again. Um, I'm going to try to find some other site before I come back here again. Next time I want, I need to learn something for Photoshop. So, uh, we like them to feel like we are always a site they can just immediately turn to and try to find whatever it is. They know it's going to be a pleasant experience as far as interacting with our site. Um, and we hope that continues to work, mm-hmm. but I will continue to experiment with what I consider like less in your face ways of, uh, maybe it slowly pops up from the bottom or something. Like there's all sorts of other ways of like, I want to get in your face with a message mm. that could be a little less aggressive than like, shutting down the entire page with like those those full page takeovers which i hate there's just so many things that are like i feel like people read a post on medium about someone claiming this thing worked for them and they immediately turn around and do it on their website without thinking twice about like what the experience of the user is going to be like uh and they think because they collected 12 emails from it that it's a total success and that this is great but um they have no idea about the hundreds of people that got exposed to that series of like three really annoying pop-ups of which two of them said, Oh no, I want to be a loser. Like that's the close button. Like that, those, yeah. are, like, those <laughs> are my, those are my least favorite by far. And I've experienced one yesterday where this is a DTC company. So a direct consumer company. So they have to like get people to convert when they're on the site. Cause there's nowhere else in the internet they can experience their product other than buying it directly from them. So direct consumer companies tend to be incredibly aggressive with the marketing techniques and tools that they use on their sites. And it, I tried to add something to the cart and it's like, are you sure you don't want to subscribe? And you know, you get it monthly and I'm like, no, I don't. But they didn't say that, of course, no, but it was like, no, I'm not interested in like, well, I think it's, it's a product related to, uh, I describe it. It's like a, it's not a protein shake. It's just like, a. um, I don't want to give away the name of the company because I don't want to embarrass them or whatever, but uh, it was just like a healthy mm-hmm. shake, drink thing. And it's like, no, I, I don't care about my ongoing health. <laughs> and I closed that. And then it hits me again with a second pop, smaller, smaller pop-up, where it's like, but subscriptions, you know, you save 10%. Like, you're going to save money. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't, I, it's like, I don't care about saving money. It's the second pop-up. So it made me go through two pop-ups in a matter of like four seconds where they're trying to make you feel like crap. Like you're a loser who doesn't care about your health and you're just someone who loves to throw away money to just add it to the cart. And then you think you'd be done with it, but no, you go to the cart and then you try to check out. And again, it mentions like one more time and a big pop-up and this one at least has an X to close it out. Like one last chance to like switch the subscription, you know, basically don't be a moron. And, uh, just that whole experience, uh, I ended up, I ended up abandoning the cart. And of course you can only imagine how aggressive their, uh, cart abandonment email series is. I've gotten four emails already in 24 hours asking me about my abandoned cart. This is a funded company, by the way, this is like a VC funded startup. So, you know, they probably read somewhere, you know, maybe Neil Patel or someone told them like, Oh, just go after them. Like, don't give up. Don't, don't worry about whether they have feelings and they're a human being at all, just like bombard them with crap until they like give you some piece of information. And, uh, so I see a lot of companies implementing, you know, uh, capture like email capture or whatever type of capture they're going for, uh, systems like that. And, and thinking that that's like effective and that's helpful and that's actually gonna help their conversions. And, uh, 
unless people desperately love your product and really want it, they're never going to go through that series of steps and actually check out yeah. or, exchange in, or exchange any information for you. Uh, you really have to have a product that people just feel desperately that they need. And there are products out there that are like that, but um, unless you've created a pretty large brand name and people know you, you know, for some company they've never come across before, they're not going to jump through all those hoops. And instead, like me, they get aggravated to the point where they just quit and they try to think of some other way they can get it through like Amazon or something. So, uh, I feel like there's a, there's like a tendency to overthink or overcomplicate. And it's probably because some of the tools are so clever that if you're technically minded, it's really fun to play with these things. And you go on like AppSumo and you see the latest deal for something. You're like, oh yeah, I can bolt that onto my site. And you're bolting all of this crap. Whereas actually, if you're just straight up with, hey, here's what we've got. Here's what it's going to do for you. Here's what you've got to do next. That's like, it's refreshingly different. And I feel like some of the most engaging emails I get sent through email marketing, it's not like some massive story and then driving me through to something which is tangentially relevant to the product. And then there's like a call to action. It's actually just straight up, hey, here's what we've got. If you're interested in buying it, click here. And you're like, oh, finally, they're just being straight up with me. So I'm wondering if we're going to see like a, a bit of a shift towards people just being actually straight up and a bit like more like a shop assistant where they say hey look this is really great here's why it's great do you want to buy it like what's wrong with that that works in person i feel like uh the tools make people very lazy and they give people vanity metrics that they can look at as mm. far as like look at how many people clicked on it look how many people email gave us their email address and the art of actually just being really good at marketing itself uh being a good advertiser you know has definitely kind of fallen to the uh to the wayside as far as being phenomenally good at creating good messaging with good imagery through a really well thought out funnel um and delivering the whole time outcome based like not the product not the features but outcome yeah. what they're going to do with it and focusing on non-selfish copy not about how cool your company is not about how great all these things are which you were talking about earlier about how people make very selfish home pages um when you go to focus purely on like the outcome they're looking for in a way where you don't brag about yourself and like and you tell a great story and mm. uh, those things require skill and like time to learn. They require a certain amount of education. Like, and I feel like people just are like, no, I'd rather just go on to the Shopify app marketplace and just bolt on 17 different apps and tell like, there's so many pop-ups that people have to close that you can barely even use the site and you think you're done with it and all of a sudden like a freaking wheel of fortune thing comes out on the screen and it's like and they somehow think that they've done a great job as a marketer like they've checked the box like i'm a marketer now because look at this stuff i've added to the site meanwhile their page load time has gone from like one second to like 17 seconds they don't even realize that and they wonder why the conversion rate's so low and why their google rankings are falling so like there's just all these things that like today's marketer uh seems to uh use as a substitute for just learning how to be a good marketer uh yeah. and just learning the actual trade skill itself and treating it like an actual skill set that you have to learn and learn how to master um so we try to just write really compelling copy uh all outcome based very non-selfish uh and that tends to work pretty well for us mm. and we give away a lot of things for free give away a lot more free than a lot of our competitors do. I mean, we have over, as I said, over hundreds of videos on YouTube that, you know, it's kind of outrageous that we've given away just a tremendous amount of education material where uh, uh, our closest competitors maybe done, you know, a fourth of that, a third of that. So um, 
that has always been our way of because uh, I look at I look at marketing in a very holistic way where it's it's not just that one ad with that one uh, piece of copy with that one kind of look to it. It's like does this match up with the company that I wake up in the morning and I'm happy to be here and mm-hmm. I want to work for the kind of products that I want to sell and does it, everything we do across the whole site and across our marketing has to be exactly in line with that same. That's why on our about page, we have this kind of like list of uh, ethical guidelines that we try to follow as a company. Yeah. Um, because we just feel like um, that matters the most. And uh, that shows, I hope it shows in our marketing. And uh, you know, that I feel like that's a little different approach than what I'm, I'm used to seeing these days from, though I guess there are, there are somebody, there are, uh, okay, that direct consumer brand yesterday, awful experience, terrible. I would never recommend it to a friend based on having to go through that checkout process. Versus there are D2C brands where I go to their site and it's just like this beautiful experience where it's like, please take my money. And uh, those tend to be way more storytelling based. Um, that you experience they make it very effortless to just hand you money. Um, and uh, those are the ones that we try to model our uh, site marketing off of ads to yeah, I love that. Removing the blockages between the person and giving you money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got some quick fire questions to finish. No right or wrong answers. Uh, well, there's, there's wrong answers. First question If you absolutely had to pick only one marketing channel to move forward with with Flern, what would it be and why? Uh, God, probably. The Facebook Instagram combination because you hit two platforms at once, and you can be really targeted, yeah. like really targeted. That's just, that's fun. It makes it fun. If you absolutely had to 10x your members in the next year, but you had unlimited marketing budget, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you'd do? I probably wouldn't spend any of my marketing. I'd spend it all on business development. I would try to find the largest partners that we can work with that expose us to a new audience and uh, consider the cost of working with them and whatever we potentially have to give away as being a marketing expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love business development, especially when it ties perfectly with marketing. So um, I'm always looking for large channel partners to work with where we can potentially include a product and basically consider that a marketing cost where we're giving away free months or whatever it happens to be. And they give us exposure to 10,000, 100,000, you know, half a million people that might never have heard of our brand before. And now like we're piggybacking off the trust that company already has with their customer base to show our brand. Uh, to me, those are my favorite way. If I was going to like do something huge, I, yeah. would, I would try to do that. Yeah. And then final question. If you had to go back to day one, when Aaron started the business, he's in his bedroom or whatever, and you got to sat, sit down with him and give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, hire me, Aaron, hire definitely. me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in 2011. So I mean, I was running, I was running another company then. So I guess I wouldn't have been available. But um, yeah, it would probably be, uh, I guess. I mean, he he is very much an artist. He likes to share, and he wants people to experience it with him. And because of that, I feel like, and I think that's actually the reason why it worked. They focus so much on just like creating really fun, great content. The concept of like, we should probably generate some revenue and like pay our bills didn't really come until like later on and that the company maybe could have like 
it could be bigger than it is now maybe mm -hmm. but at the same time you could also argue that the reason why he built such a big following so quickly was because he was doing just tremendous amounts of free content for everybody um and uh not focusing at all about like are we gonna earn enough to pay the bills was all about like create the coolest uh most fun awesome content for youtube or whatever happened today to be and you know just somehow make it work by eating ramen noodles and you know uh and I just feel like it could have been more comfortable quicker mm. is all. Mm. And I'd be like, you, you could have, cause like in the photography world, that means photographers love toys. It just meant more, it would be more access to more toys, more opportunities to hire more people. So you could do even bigger, cooler, crazier things. You know, like could have scaled it up more quickly if the focus, you know, had been more on like, you know, let's, let's get the money in the door so we can do even bigger, cooler stuff. Um, yeah. We don't have to like survive super, super scrappy. And like, you know, that would, That'd be my only thing, like I would whisper in, because I, I feel like it's the same piece of advice to give to a ton of like artists and photographers that are customer based that don't have to be the starving artist. You don't have to be the person that you're, it's you against the world. It's how like everyone always seems to like view the idea of like the perfect artist that creates the most amazing art. They're always like these just, just people that like, the, I mean, physically they always like make them look like they're just like angry and depressed and like hiding in a corner and like you have to have a life of just horrible things happen to you and like you have to be like you know one step away from homelessness at all points and, like that's like that's the only way you can be a true artist and, like never sell your stuff because your soul if you sell your stuff and like you're you're no longer an artist and it's like some of the most prolific artists of all time that we love and we celebrate like Andy Warhol we're also some of the greatest marketers ever mm -hmm. in the history of art Andy was like amazing at making money while also making incredibly avant-garde art that everybody loved. So it's like you can do both and mm -hmm. uh, you can be an artist and be 100% true to yourself and all those things while at the same time like generating revenue and paying your bills because that allows you to do more art. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a job. You can quit your job. You can quit all these things that are like, you know, side hustles or whatever it is you're doing to like try to make it so you can do your art. You can just stop all that because you can figure out a way to monetize some aspect of your art, whatever it has to be. Uh, you can now spend 365 on your art instead and uh, your art will therefore get better because now it's your full time thing. So uh, that would be my advice to him and pretty much, you know, most artists I talk to that feel like you have to like basically be dirt poor your entire life as an artist. That's the only way you can be a real artist. Uh, which just makes no sense if you look at the history of great artists. Mm. So. Fantastic advice. Um, Seth, how do people find out more about Flurn? And you actually have an offer for ninjas listening, don't you? Yeah, so Flurn is, it's not just photography and, and Lightroom and these things that are more photography focused. There's just Photoshop in general, which you can use for anything from editing images to creating actual digital art. A lot of our customers are creating digital art. A lot of our customers are graphic designers, so they're creating graphics that are going to be used in a marketing and advertising uh, campaign of some sort. So, like, there's a tremendous amount of things you can do once you know Photoshop mm. um, that are very handy that can either make certain processes really fast uh, or can just make it so that you have some say, way of differentiating your brand against everyone else's brand. Sometimes, literally, visually, it can be the only thing you have to play with if your product is just so similar to everyone else's product. So, uh, Photoshop's a great program to learn. Photography is a phenomenal hobby to have. You just want to look at a hobby or a profession. Uh, we teach all of that on Flurn for an incredibly low price. Uh, and to make that price even lower, uh, we do have a coupon code, which is NINJA20. That'll give you 20% off Flurn, whether it's monthly or an annual. 
you can cut another 20% off of that already very low rate. And, uh, I, I cannot, I cannot imagine a more perfect way to try to learn Photoshop than our beginners guide to Photoshop because it is designed where you literally open the program for the very first time in the class. We knowing nothing about it and take you through a few, you know, several hours of education that provides a pathway to doing some pretty like moderately advanced things. And then from there, we have over 150 classes that will take you to as advanced as you want to go all the way up to the point where a lot of the top Photoshop artists in the world now are our former students. So um, we can take you from opening the program for the very first time to an absolute mastery in Photoshop. If you're a photographer, we can take you from the point where your photos look pretty okay right now or you're maybe you're struggling constantly where it's like, why doesn't that look the way I thought it would look? Or I could picture it in my mind, but I just couldn't capture it. Well, we teach you how to actually capture it the way that you envisioned it in your head. So whether it be Photoshop, creating something that you can, anything you can dream of in Photoshop, we can show you how to make it. To photography, where it's like anything you can kind of picture, like how do I get that photo, we can show you how to make it. So um, I feel like there's a, there's a ton of usage that's there that maybe people wouldn't realize if they just hear the word Photoshop mm. or if they just think of us as like, oh, you know, photography. There's uh, everything today is content as far as marketing goes. And uh, if you're not creating visually beautiful content, you're already kind of a step behind usually in your industry compared to your competitors who are. So Photoshop and photography are pretty much, if you look at, go to any of the top brands that are scaling up rapidly right now, they all have great visuals, great photography, and they also have great video usually too. Um, and, you know, we can teach people how to do that. So Ninja Ninja 20 is the uh, code and, you know, hope some of you come join us and, uh, you know, I, I guarantee you'll, you'll learn something, even if it's just for fun. And even if you have absolutely no interest in any of it, go and sign up anyway to check out the checkout process yeah. and see what happens once you're signed up, the emails that you get, the whole sequence. Yeah. Majestic. We're, we're, we're improving. Yeah, we're always improving that. I'm, I'm redoing a lot of it right now uh, to try to make it. Because I always find I, I, I check out enough stores, uh, sometimes intentionally, just to see the process that I'm like, we can make this better. So uh, for the holidays, before the big holiday rush, I'm going to run through all of it again and kind of redo our entire drip campaign sequence redo our we're redoing our checkout process too so like um hopefully everything by the holiday season 2018 i know this podcast will live on forever but uh for right now at this moment in time i'm thinking holiday 2019 we're gonna have a much faster checkout process with a lot fewer forms which is a big experiment for us to take a lot of our uh forms away from that 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 checkout form uh fields sorry fields mm -hmm. away from the checkout form and uh make it like two steps pretty much to join Flurn and uh, have a drip campaign sequence that comes out that is much more targeted to why you signed up. Um, and hopefully that'll deliver, you know, an even better experience. People are really like, they feel like they joined something because we really are a community based company with big ones. We're really community focused. So we're trying to rebuild that entire experience of checkout and post checkout around more of a community driven company. Awesome. Well, I have absolutely no doubt you'll um, you'll continue tweaking and perfecting. It's uh, been a really, really interesting podcast episode. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, thank you yeah. so much for, for taking the time, Seth. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
Hope you found this video useful. And remember, if you enjoyed it, click the little like button. If you want to check out more videos from Exposure Ninja, then don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that little bell icon, or leave us a comment if you've got any questions or suggestions of things that you'd like to see us cover in future. Don't forget, if you want some help with your digital marketing, then you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request a free website and digital marketing review. What will happen here is we'll ask you a few questions about your website and your goals, and one of our team will then put together a 15 minute video where we'll show you how to improve your website's ranking your traffic and your conversions is completely free of charge. I know, crazy, right? But danger, there is a chance that you'll become a client after seeing this review because it'll blow your socks off. I have to be honest, but don't let that put you off. Go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.